Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man Staten. This podcast is dedicated to blue-collar, hard-working public land elk hunters. We preach hard work, delayed gratification, discipline, and staying accountable to yourself. We value faith, family, fitness, fiscal discipline, and of course, public land elk hunting. So come along as we try to educate, motivate, and inspire you to become the best possible version of yourself. Our podcast is brought to you by Wilderness Athlete, performance you deserve. Fuel your body with the best. Use our discount code ELKSHAPE30 and save 30% off your first purchase. We are also brought to you by NUMA Outdoors. Geared for the outdoors, made with bow hunters in mind, built to over-deliver, and most importantly, designed to outperform. Check out numaoutdoors.com and be sure to use the discount code ELKSHAPE20 to save 20% off your purchase. Matthews Archery. Elevating the archery experience. Take a test drive with the Matthews V3 31 or 27 at a local dealer near you. Vortex Optics. I've been partnered with Vortex since 2010. This company is awesome. They're American owned, veteran owned. They're based in Wisconsin. Their entire team of designers and engineers produce and distribute a complete line of premium sport optics, accessories, and apparel. Most of the apparel that I wear while training, scouting, and hanging out around the house is vortex wear go ahead and check it out and if you want to save 20 percent, enter the discount code elkshape at checkout and you'll save 20 percent. new from vortex in 2021 is their tripods the one i've been using in the backcountry is their summit carbon 2 and their radiant carbon and it also has a ball leveling head and it's perfect for rock solid shooting there is a tripod to fit everyone's needs from Vortex now, and it's still covered with their lifetime no-fault transferable VIP warranty. Check it out at VortexOptics.com.
Hey guys, welcome to the Elk Shade Podcast. Appreciate you tuning in. Got a good one for you today. We got a squad of guys on this podcast. We're talking about Lyme's disease. We're talking about altitude sickness, uh, when it goes really bad and you end up in the hospital. We got my buddy Bo Martonic from East Meets West. Joel Turner, Jeff Bynum. We're talking about archery. We got a bunch of firefighters on here. This is going to be a good one, guys. So buckle up. Welcome to the Elk Shade Podcast. Let's go. Yep. Yep. Oh. We are live. We're live. We kind of have a East Meets West Elk Shape podcast going on right now. It might end up at all the platforms, but we are um we're in Lang How do you say it? Is it Lancaster? I heard is it a, is there another way to say it? There's Lancaster? Yes. Lancaster. Or, yeah, yeah, or Lancaster. Lancaster. Yeah. No, it's the Lancaster. Yeah, that's that's the way the locals call it, isn't it? Lancaster, Pennsylvania. <laughs> we have Joel Turner. Yep. We got Jeff Bynum and East Meets West. And you're meeting the West today. How's it going? It's it's, it's decent. I mean, <laughs> decent. you guys are okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bo Martonic. Um, okay, what do we want to talk about? Let's talk about today, today. where you're at. Like we did, we, you're a day and a half into Elk Shape Camp. I begged you to come, right? Like I wanted you to come check it out and uh, tell us about it so far. Well, I first of all, uh, thanks for having me come here. I thought it was so far. My first impressions, Michael and I were talking about it in the vehicle. I think it's super incredible to be able to have the different variety of people that you have. Some with different perspectives on different things, being able to give instead of just Dan's knowledge although your knowledge is half decent there's no it's just it's nice to be able to have all the different you know people from different avenues in here having joel having jeff having bob you know having will and everybody else that's been here it's been r really cool great experience and one of the the biggest things that i like about this camp is the involvement with everybody in there and you it's not just getting this knowledge from you guys that are up there teaching you're also learning from the other students that are in there as well and getting everybody's perspective so i dig it, I dig it. <laughs> and uh it's it's not for people that are i guess weak-minded or anyway and if you get offended then should probably pick a different camp <laughs> but uh it's it's in your face i like it you pick out weaknesses and try to correct them it's all in the in the name of making people better yeah i feel that uh mr turner joel you joel you've got the dorkiest hat on that i've ever seen Man, and you wear it i've all killed the time. so many elk in this hat though nostalgia like, it's yeah just, it's just good luck it's got good vibe buddy is this your first <laughs> time in pennsylvania no no, Not my first time in Pennsylvania, but my first time to Lancaster. What do you think? It's good. I went into that pro shop today. Oh and just, my gosh! Man, I just wanted to spend money. And you did. I watched <laughs> yeah. your credit card swipe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. a legit purchase. Yeah, it was good. And you know, when you're talking about getting offended, elk don't care. No, they right? don't. <laughs> the elk don't care what you feel and yeah. all this and that. And anything that we do, as far as you know, in your face type stuff, it's it's all with purpose. And mm -hmm. if we didn't do it then you're never going to learn where you find your own determination. And that's in so many aspects of the mental preparation of the hunt or controlling a shot or figuring out what call you're going to do or whatever. It's just you got to prep for it. And uh, this will this will bring it out for yeah. sure. When I met Joel today, he's like, Bo, 
That's a cool name, except for you spell it wrong. <laughs> I, like, I just started laughing. I, I was cracking up the whole time. It was, <laughs> just listening to that. Uh, it like it felt like we were at hunting camp because it was just like constant. Everyone's just getting on each other and laughing. There was banter. And, yeah, sure. a lot of banter. I poured some serious salt into some wounds today on that. Uh, oh, the shooting a dress. Were you guys with me? Was that your guys' station? I don't know if you were at. Was that your? We'll get you on. Okay, so were you at that station with him? With uh, I, yeah, him and I were against. Who each was other. I? Who was I busting? I was busting somebody's balls pretty good. I don't know who it was. It, oh yeah, yeah. But no, honestly, everybody's got a great attitude. Like yeah. they they they're here to like get better, and they're actually pretty serious. Like this is a pretty serious crowd. Like this is probably the fanciest bow setups I've ever seen. Everyone's pretty darn legit, although they don't seem to tie soft knots on this side of the country. Mm-hmm. Joel, your yeah. thoughts on that? <clears throat> yeah, I'm not quite sure where that's coming from. I mean, you look at any professional archer, and you're looking at a knock point on the top and a knock point on the bottom inside the D loop, so you keep that arrow pinch or keep the positive and negative knock pressure off the knock, and that doesn't seem to happen here. They just tie well, a D loop on there and get after it. When I when I worked for an archery shop, we were taught not to do that, and then eventually I realized I'd switch, say, from the the traditional gold tip knocks to lighted knocks, which mm-hmm. were fatter, and I was getting knock pinched, so I started tying the bottom and the the top on there because of that point. But that wasn't something that was common knowledge, I mm. guess, for us over here. So, yeah. seen some nose buttons today, yeah. which I rock the nose button, I like it. But uh, kisser buttons, like I'd say, I don't know, ninety percent of the guys here mm-hmm. had kisser buttons. I haven't seen that before. Is that a thing out here? That's yeah, a big white tail thing. Is okay. Running kisser buttons. I I haven't ran one in probably five years, but I used to I used to rock one. Yeah, for sure. Um, overall shooting was pretty good. Um, from about the afternoon on, Joel, uh, Joel kind of lit into him. Oh yeah. Is that pretty common for you, Joel? Like, um, you kind of start the relationship starts out pretty rocky, and you're kind of in their face, and by the end, which they literally were singing your praises at the end of the day. It was so cool. Yeah, that's it's usually how it works because. They don't quite know how to take it, and they usually have a, a broken system to start with. It's usually all open-loop control systems. It's fast. It's, you know, just get the arrow shot, get it done. And then they go through the control process shooting course, and then it's, you know, then they put it to application. And it, it's not until they put it to applications like, okay, that's what he's talking about. This is the level of determination. This is how I did it. And then once they experience that that shot, especially if we're able to put them under a little bit of stress like you were, and they control their shot in that situation, man, it's powerful. It's a big deal. I mean, it's a huge leap for the human mind to do that. So so we did um, Friday night when they got here. Mm-hmm. They pre-registered. They told us their effective range. We went right out there and shot it. It was very windy. I felt bad a little, but not much. Yeah, yeah. But it was through the cool, like, <laughs> yeah. land- <laughs> like Lancaster set up an elk, like a steel elk target with just the vitals. You have to hit in the vitals or your arrow's done. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many arrows we crushed night one, but it was one shot, 30 guys. I'd say over half the arrows were ruined. And then um, I was like, all right, tomorrow I'll shoot in a dress. I'll take that thing down. I, I looked at it. It was too – I couldn't take it down. Yeah, so it's today too good. we had to shoot three arrows with high heart rates. Uh at the target, and uh-huh. so I'm pro- there was one guy who like didn't even have enough arrows 
to do the whole course. So <laughs> I think arrow companies should definitely be hooking me up. I definitely sold yeah. some arrows today. <laughs> you, sold a lot of, you sold a lot of stuff. I, I was I was saying, I was like, man, I wish I had the capability of selling stuff like Dan. Dan doesn't even try to sell you. He tells you you're buying something. Yeah. Like that oh, site, yeah. that doesn't work. You Go here, here. I'm going to hook you up right now. You don't even have a chance to say no. He's, he's kind of the opposite of Oprah, though. I mean, like Oprah's giving away stuff for free. Dan's like, nope, you're buying this and you're buying this. And you're Before buying you this. talk to Jeff about financials, <laughs> hurry up and buy stuff. <laughs> yeah. I put it on a credit card. Spend, put yourself in debt. That money. <laughs> Jeff's going to go talk very logical to you and tell you about how to save for hunting and how to say no to spending and liquidity or something like that. I'm not sure what that's all about, but uh, – <laughs> uh, I'll spend your money before Jeff gets a hold of him. But no, I told them they're like, get your kafari packs. Like, just I'm I'm behind in calling people. It's time to buy. Like, quick. Yeah. Get stuff while it's on sale. But I I will say I was a little bit disappointed from the first camp that we had you at Joel to yep. this camp. I don't know, Dan. Maybe if you just warn people a little too much. But that first camp, like there was a like a common whisper of. Joel's an asshole. Joel's an asshole. Joel's an asshole. <laughs> and it, it, it's like such a psychological shift that you take people through and helping them understand it like they are. They're all singing your praises at the end. Yeah. But I don't feel like you got them quite to like the Joel's the asshole part oh, okay. enough today. All so right, I got to be more, more yes, rough. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A, little, a little bit more. You, you had too much of a smile today. I don't know. They did pretty good in their shooting, though. They so did. maybe it's, maybe it's yeah. a new approach. Maybe yeah. it'll turn a new leaf. I think the biggest thing with like what you are teaching people and stuff is people being able to let – let themselves learn rather than thinking they know yeah. something. You know, if you can go up there and just with the mindset of I'm going to listen exactly what you say and not take my preconceived notions of what I think I know into it, mm -hmm. it's so much better. I mean, the one thing that, that I learned a lot from you is just the proper way of using back tension with my – with my thumb release because it's so hard to talk about something without showing how mm -hmm. with, with, with uh, loosening up your hand and everything like that was a huge point to, to me. And I've listened to you on podcasts before and everything and, and got through the, the shot process. And when I shot my elk in 2019, I was yelling, pull, pull, pull. I shot it nice. off of my knees at 60 yards. And it nice. was just like, my pin was going around 100 miles an hour sure. like this because I, I, this is my one opportunity yeah. after four years, you know, to uh -huh. make it happen. But, like, I, I learned so much today that just took it another step. And, uh, I, yeah, I thought that was, that was incredible. Yeah, and I try to – everything that I'm talking about is based in science. So I'm trying to get people to realize that it's not my opinion, right? It's, this is the science of how it works. Take it or leave it, right? I'm not teaching you anything other than how to do the work, but it still takes that determination to take those first steps, yeah? Yep. Yeah, I love having Joel at camps. I don't have him in all my camps, but when I do, I'll be honest, like, uh, my job's ten times easier. You know what I mean? Like, he for the shooting part, because yep. we've talked about this on this podcast before, but, like, dude, you can be an elk whisperer like Joel is. You can know all the behavior biology. You can have all the spots and have all the fitness. But if you crumble – at that one shot opportunity, cool, congratulations. Just all you gotta do is wait till next year because you're done. You know what I mean? And so that's why we start with the archery component. It's so imperative to have that figured out because I think a lot of people will find that they can get close to elk and get a shot opportunity with very little experience, even. Like you, even <laughs> dumbasses get lucky, but, but that shot execution is pretty much everything. I wish it wasn't, but it is. And yeah, you, 
I thought I was really excited on the shoot-off today. Yeah. So we had a shoot-off at the very end. So we took the top four times from the Shooting Under Duress event. It was a timed event, very similar to Train to Hunt. And we took those top four guys and put them in a shoot-off. And Joel had them doing some things. And uh, I'll be honest, man, like, I who were these guys? I was so surprised to see them all because they were disqualified if they hammered the trigger. And Joel can sniff that out better than anybody. Like, you even the one guy who got disqualified, one out of four, mm-hmm. it was close. I yeah. mean, it was a cl- it was a close deal, but you call you know you called it, yeah. and um, the guy who won was the right guy to win. Mm-hmm. You know, he did a really <laughs> good job. <Yeah. laughs> the best thing was when when everyone was shooting at the beginning with Joel. But here comes the rattlesnake and they <laughs> yeah. slap the trigger. I was <laughs> cracking up. <laughs> that analogy. <laughs> No, there's seriously every camp we got windups where it's like oh, the index man. finger sticks out. It's yep. like preloaded uh-huh. and it's like stored energy and Drop released. The hammer. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. No, it's. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, your buddy Mike's here, and Mike, I got to get you on real quick. I don't know who wants to give up a headset, but um, I'll step out. You can step. No, you're stepping in, and now you're interviewing. Congratulations. All so, right. Um, I want you to go through his tick bite scenario a little bit, man. Yeah. Like, so it sounds like if you're from PA, you got Lyme disease. Is that, like, something you're born with here, or what's going on? Yeah, it runs into blood around here. Yeah. But, no, uh, there's a lot of ticks in uh, East East Coast uh, just in general. Uh, Pennsylvania is kind of a uh, little bit of a mix. We have a, enough timber, and we don't get cold enough to freeze the ticks out. So that's big. Uh, Lyme disease is pretty prevalent. Uh, you have to make sure when you go out hunting, you got to take steps. Uh, Lyme disease sucks. There's no joke. It's it, it, it it's not fun. And uh, one thing that I ended up having, I don't know how, do you want me to just jump right in? or? Yeah, yeah, yeah let's hear it, man. Absolutely. Keep going. Okay, so <clears throat> my experience with Lyme disease was probably the, as worst as it could get for my situation. I was training to go uh, to New Mexico, mule deer, high country mule deer hunting. I spent a lot of time in the woods, hiking, scouting, hunting, shooting my bow, doing that types of stuff. And I got a, a bit by tick, real bad Lyme disease. It was a, a very classic Lyme disease. So I got the doxycycline. So how did you know you got, like, did you pull the tick out and you go, oh, okay, I'm screwed? Or did you just, like, start feeling not, not like yourself, exhausted? Like, how'd you know? So I, growing up, I've... I've had Lyme disease, I'm going to say a couple times. There's some science if it's a long-term thing and it's with you forever, or if it's not with you forever. If I get bit by a tick and I get the telltale bullseye, I'm pretty sure I know how I'm going to feel coming up. And it, it, once you see the telltale bullseye, you're, you're kind of in a spot that you better get medicine or you're not going to feel good. And everybody reacts a little bit different, but it's very consistent. You're drained, you're tired, your muscle aches, your back aches and brain fog and for me i didn't see the specific tick that bit me i never i don't remember pulling it out of me i've pulled multiple ticks out of me that year and i had a huge bullseye and i remember to do and when i realized my brain fog was getting bad is i was even trying to do a tip for at a restaurant i can specifically remember the exact place and i couldn't even figure out what 20 percent was of a very basic bill and I just noticed it the next day I went to work. I was like, holy smokes, it takes a lot for me to think about this. And I was physically exhausted. So I was looking at my, my calendar. I was like, shit, I got five weeks before I go to New Mexico. So I took the doxycycline four weeks, 28 days. Got off of it and uh, didn't think much of it and went to New Mexico hunting. Uh, I was in one of the best shape I could be in for that situation. And uh, uh, doxycycline really... T- wore me down it's really hard on your immune system it's hard on your body 
and I got it's killing everything pretty much in your body. Doxycycline can be given for a huge range of of bacteria infections. Mm -hmm. If it's a bacteria infection, there's a lot of bacteria infections out there, and doxycycline's probably going to be given to Jeff you. knows a lot about bacteria that infections, was I was if you know there. what I mean. It mm-hmm. was a rash, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it was a rash. If you get doxycycline for Lyme's disease, you know you're good for a little while because it's killed everything. <laughs> <in> you. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're set. You don't have to worry about anything like that. Um, so, but... Uh, <laughs> It's it's terrible. I I, always, I also say like doxycycline has a little bit of a hangover period after you get off of it. It takes a while for your body to get like back. You just don't. Nope, you're good. There, you don't have that. I I call it doxycycline hangover, and and you kind of are just dreary and groggy, and it takes you a little bit to get back into it. Were you still trying to work out during this like cycle of yeah? So I and yeah. So I blew my knee out and then got knee surgery in February 28th. So I had like no time. So I had to get it all in from. March. So you're fighting Lyme disease. You're on some nuclear antibiotic. Yep. And uh, and knee and surgery. you blew your knee out, and you hadn't been able to work out this whole time. Yep. Yep. So okay. it was it was a ten pounds of shit in a five pound bag type of year. Yeah. But it was one of those things that it wasn't out. It's a good analogy. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm stealing that. That's a Dirk one right there. <laughs> That's stolen. Yeah. Missy and, and it wasn't anything that I didn't think I was capable of. It wasn't something that I really felt was outside of my realm for the situation I was in, the age I was in, the condition I was in. I was pretty confident I could do it. Um, I underestimated Lyme disease and I underestimated doxycycline big time. And I went out. I'm very familiar with altitude. Uh, a lot of time in the mountains for being an East Coast guy. Yeah, because you got a geology background in your yep. education. You yep. love mountains. Yep. Okay. So I've spent time in Wyoming, Colorado, uh, volcanoes in Nicaragua. I've spent a lot of time in elevation. And I understand that how I react is a little bit different than maybe you guys react living out there versus at 500 feet elevation. To 13,000 feet elevation, there's a little bit of a difference, and you have to take your time at that. Had you ever had any altitude issues before this? Uh, my conditions are headache, and I have trouble eating food. And I know I got to eat food, and I got to ha- manage the headaches by drinking water and not, you know, just, just your very basic altitude that you have to take. So... Knowing that, I wasn't trying to be dumb about it. I don't go out drinking, and I don't go out trying to chug a bunch of caffeine to feel better or give my energy. And I just got in a bad spot, hiked a little probably too much that day, and I got sick. You go straight from 500 to, like, your hunting elevation? kind of. We camped out the night before, did a day at, I'm going to say it's 75, 8,000 feet, kind of split it, spent the night there. Woke up the next morning, hiked up, set up her camp, didn't do anything, glassed the whole night because it's high country mule there, so there's really no reason to go running around blowing stuff out. So did that uh, next day, haunted, haunted, not too hard, but but hard enough. And, and you and were hunting with Bo's uh, first cousin, Mason. First cousin. Yep. Yeah, the better okay. hunter. He's yeah. the better hunter. Better uh-huh. tonic. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Is he better than you? Yeah, he's better. Oh, life skills. Annoying. Yeah, it is. I, I dislike him. I work with him, too. I just, oh, God. So he's just better at life. Yeah. I know those guys. Yeah. 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 I know those Mustache guys. Mustache game is strong. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this kid, he grows yeah, good he beard. Grow, yeah, he grows good beard and big a mustache. Box. It sucks. But he's killed big box. He's got it down. Who got a bigger whitetail this year? You or him, Bo? Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Actually, I thought he was going to kill me because he beat, he shot an absolute giant with his bow, and then I shot one about 10 inches bigger with a rifle, so it probably balances out. But either way, 
Uh, yeah, I did shoot a bigger way too. Yeah. Uh, he did get him, and I was pumped because I always root for Mason, even though I'm good friends with Bo. <laughs> like, Bo and I, Bo that's and I what friends up, are for. Bo and, like. are, Bo, Bo and I are great buddies. Yeah. But I like rooting for Mason. Yeah. Just yeah. because, like, come on. Yeah. Let's get that. You know that's yeah. gonna fire. Yeah. Bo. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. I know the trigger for Bo. <laughs> and uh-huh. it, it's, but it's one of those things. So uh, Mason and I are out there, and Mason's a pretty good level-headed guy, like a good hunting buddy. And uh, I got sick. And uh, I wasn't feeling good. I, I was actually out hunting and got a little nervous how I was going to get back to my camp. But I got back to my camp there. and uh, Like, what were your first signs of you getting sick? Uh, extremely, extremely dizzy. Okay. Like, there was no stopping the dizzy. So this was different than before, before any other yes. time. And your headaches are dull? Or are they like pounding? My headache, I, I, it was such a, it was, it wasn't like a ramping headache. It was just a slow chug, worse and okay. worse okay. and worse. Okay, Roger worse. that. And it, it was one of those that I knew I was getting sick, but I knew I had a hunt. Yep. And I thought I could just power through. I'm like, I've been such a baby this year. I got knee surgery. I got Lyme disease. I got excuses. And I just kept thinking to myself, I need to quit being a baby right now. And that was extremely the wrong thing to do and, in and that if you know situation. If you know Michael's background, like growing up with him, he was a very good wrestler. He was he's one of those guys that doesn't complain. He doesn't like to to say anything as far as that goes. He just usually bulls through it. So that probably hurt you a little bit Definitely. at this point. Um, I thought the idea was just grit my teeth and just do what I had to do. And tomorrow would come and I'd hunt tomorrow. Yeah. So I ended up finding myself in kind of a bad spot, and Mason was like, "Let's go down elevation," and I agreed. What? what no, what did he say to you? And oh, he said, <laughs> "I'm laying in the tent," and he's like, "Dude, you sound like a double long shot deer laying next to me." I was just, <laughs> just, just wheezing and breathing and chug, and, yep. and literally my lungs were full of blood at this point, unknown yep. to me. So I literally sounded like a long shot deer. So that was pretty good on his part, but. Then I went down uh, lower in elevation, set up camp. I couldn't set up camp. I was having trouble set up camp. He went hunting, and I was just sitting in the car, and I was like, Mason, I got to go. I'm in bad shape. So, you guys got one rig between yep, the two of you? Yep, one. So he has to suck it up and so do something for you. Leave he the, leave he the takes hunt. it on the chin big time. Dang. And this hunt, I'm telling you right now, I ruined Mason's hunt. But so It was, it was what, a 14- or 16-day hunt? I think 16-day hunt all in all, uh, 14 days of hunting, 16 days with travels and stuff. Um, so Mason takes it on chin, drops me off. I said, go hunting. I will be good. I'm in the hotel room. Go hunting. So he goes hunting and I told him, come check me out tomorrow. I'll give you the green light. Like you're midday, get a buck, do what you have to do, but come check on me, go hunting. So that's what his plan was. So it's pretty good. We had pretty good, um, communication there. Uh, cell phones that didn't work though, because no cell phone service, no backups. So we were a little bit underprepared there but uh what so what altitude were you when when you got back to the hotel i want to say it was 7500 that sounds about okay. right yeah, yeah. yeah. 7500 feet so, so you're so still up there ways compared to 500 most feet. definitely yeah um so so I'm, I'm there and i woke up and i was purple as could be that morning and i literally spit an entire big gatorade bottle full of blood and mm. mucus and just blood and i just and i kept thinking to myself if i cough it up and spit it out i'll be golden tomorrow Give me a couple days. Wow, that's a great <laughs> idea for those listening. Really yeah, good. Yeah, no, no, no. Just, spit, just spit the blood out of your lungs. It's but okay. It was, it was one of those that I, I, I knew it wasn't good, but I really didn't think it was bad. I knew it wasn't good, but I didn't think I was that bad. So I actually called Bo, talked to Bo a little bit, and he's like, dude, you probably should go to the hospital. And 
I didn't even tell my girlfriend or my yeah, family. I was, in, I was in the middle of my Colorado elk yep. hunt, and I was switching spots, and I happened to be in town and had service. So I was talking to you, and uh, I was like, you got to go to the hospital. And yep. He was telling me that, and I was like, you, you like stop trying to be tough. Like It's time for you to go to the hospital. And that was it because I didn't tell my family about it. I didn't tell my girlfriend because I didn't want anybody to be worried because I'm so far away from home. And Bo's like, dude, go. So Mason came back, went to the hospital, and my blood oxygen, I can't remember. It was 38 or 42 when I got there. And the hospital just like went code red. They're like, holy smokes. It was all hands on deck. And they ended up putting me in one of those breathing scuba masks. And it, and it would breathe for me. I think it was like the whole night. What did I the was nurses do? You, you skipped some important. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, I, d- I didn't want to make this an all day story. So I sit down. I told them <laughs> I had a headache. And they're like, what are you here for? I was like, I have a headache. So they're like, okay, you know kind of looked at me funny i have a headache so i sit down they go to put the finger pinch on for yep. your blood oxygen your blood, yeah yeah and, and she's your like, saturation levels were 38 or 42 42 percent and she's like this isn't working and she goes and gets a machine she plugs into the wall because she thinks it was broken yep plugs it in and there's two ladies in there they quit asking me questions they're like what's your name where are you from going on they quit talking to me and one lady put her hand on my shoulder and the other lady left the room i was like man that's kind of weird i'm supposed to be getting like my my you know temperature checked well seven people came in scooped me up and ran full sprint down the hallway and i was like they get after it new mexico <laughs> they don't mess around i'm getting this headache quick i'm getting it fixed quick i'm gone i'm hunting so <laughs> yes. they are after it so it was, it was it was interesting and then i'm laying there and they're trying to ask me all these questions and doing all this stuff and i kind of realized it was getting kind of interestingly bad i was like man this probably isn't a good situation and they were just going after all these questions what are you doing where are you at what were you how'd you get in this position and it ended up that uh, my blood oxygen was very low and it took a long time to come back it took exceptionally longer than they anticipated than i anticipated and then i was in there for a couple couple days um and uh uh mason ended up ruining his hunt so he ended up getting a hunt about a day and a half we packed up and headed home, headed home for Pennsylvania, and that was the, I think, 2018's hunting season right there. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things that I didn't anticipate it. I didn't prepare enough to not do it, but I thought I prepared enough to be to be ready for the situations that I thought were going to be thrown at hand. And it, it, it was eye-opening. That is definitely for sure. Yeah, so when you were you were actually telling the story earlier, and I caught just enough of it where I was like, "Oh, dude, you're coming on the podcast for a hot minute. We got to get that out of you." Um, and it's kind of a snowball effect. I really do think like there was correlation to the Lyme disease. Like the whole thing was built upon itself because I've you know I've seen you. You're a pretty physical, fit wrestler kind of guy. Where why would elevation? It's never messed with you before. So it's definitely like, yeah, that probably had a lot most of it to do with it, but. At least you had a good friend to, like, get you off the mountain. Because if you'd stayed on the mountain, you would have died. Like, uh, no doubt. And we're going to interrupt this podcast for a quick little message from Black Rifle Coffee Company. These guys make amazing coffee here in the U.S. And they're veteran-owned. And they're proudly American and unapologetic. I appreciate that. If you guys are interested in joining their coffee club or picking up maybe some swag, ready to drinks, or check out that new Flying Elk Roast flavor, use the discount code ELKSHAPE and that'll save you 15% 
Also, Kufaru International. This is the backpack of choice for elk hunters. I use the Hoodlum or the 44 Mag. You guys need to check out Kufaru International if you are serious about packing out large loads of perfect protein off the mountain. Head over to kufaru.net to learn more. We're also brought to you by Onyx Hunt, the number one hunting GPS app. I've pretty much gone away from using an old school GPS. Obviously I still carry like an inReach, but all my hunting maps are stored and executed with the Onyx. This is the fastest downloading offline maps out there, as well as the most resilient, bulletproof. Not gonna crash on you when you need it most. I run tracking most days while elk hunting, and I found Onyx to be the most reliable hunting GPS app out there. Check it out today. And finally, Baku e-bikes. These are e-bikes made for hunters by hunters. This is a game changer for elk hunting as well as bear hunting, checking your tree stand trail cams, getting in and out quietly. I rock the mule. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE to knock $300 off your purchase. And if you do that, you might as well just go ahead and apply that discount towards a folding cargo trailer so you can put your elk quarters and haul them out back to the truck. I really unfortunately think that that's probably the case because it wasn't that I, I'd want to say I was being tough making my decisions, but I don't think I truthfully could make a good decision. My rational thought process, my brain is operating on 38 or 42 blood oxygen levels. It isn't thinking as well as it could ever possibly think. Which isn't very high to begin with. Yeah, for me. <laughs> <laughs> if it's out of, say it's out of 10, I'm on 6 starting out. So, like, now it's 10. So, but uh, it was one of those things that I don't think my thought process was good enough to be in a position where I could have made the call when to go. And Mason was like, you are, and like he said, you're a long shot deer. We got to get you out. Yep. So his, his thought process was good. It was clear. He made a decision. He made the decision for me. And then at the next camp, I was like, man, I got to go. He's like, yeah. He's like, I got to drive. I was like, I kind of was anticipating you driving. Yeah. Like, I'm in bad shape right now. Yeah. So yeah. so he drove me off the mountain, and, and he got the hotel, and he, he, he took care of it there from there. But And that is a big, big takeaway. I mean, you know, altitude sickness sucks, but having a good hunting partner is the best. You got to have good hunting come partners. By. But well, you're a solo hunter, so that's. Well, yeah, but I, I have an in-reach, and yep. uh, I'm also a dipshit like you, probably tough, too tough but really not tough at all. You're just making poor decisions with low oxygen. I've gotten altitude sickness several times, mm -hmm. um, and I always end up with, like, the dull headache and the lack of appetite. Yeah. And I big. have to actually go lower for it to go away. It doesn't go away on its own. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking, like, above 10. Like, yep. usually a, uh, I've actually Nine. killed a bull one time at 11,000 feet in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. I remember it plain as day. That was so high, but – um, I'm mainly an elk hunter, so I don't do that high country mule deer stuff as much, but I am susceptible and it has not a fitness thing. Mm -hmm. It's not a fitness thing. I live at 2,500 feet. Yeah. That ain't very high, bro. Yeah. That's, that's interesting to hear that though too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, heck where, where I live in Pennsylvania, that's just over 2000. See? Yeah. Our, so our that's really, I'm re we're not really that much different from that. I'm standpoint. better looking, but other than that, we're about the same. Yeah. But yeah. you can't grow a good mustache <laughs> like this. So. <laughs> There's that, too. <laughs> no, that's the truth. You have a great stash. So let me ask you this before you bounce, bro. You you paid money to come to this camp. You're mm -hmm. a day and a half in. Give us a perspective. I don't need a – like, don't toot our horns. Nope. Tell us what you think, man. No, so so a couple of things Bo already touched on. This is a conversation Bo and I had just this afternoon before we came over here. Having a place where you can go and you can listen to somebody speak that knows how to call – 
and that uses it to hunt is awesome. Then to hear somebody that might know how to call but doesn't rely on calling teach you things. And then when you have a guide whose job is to be, I need to put this guy on elk, and his tactics are different yet. You have three individuals teaching you different tactics, different hunting styles. You have such a well-rounded group. You're, you're literally starting, how do I get out there? How do I afford to get out there? When I'm out there, how do I get close to him? And then when I'm close to him, how do I put myself in the best position to shoot the absolute perfect shot? It, it's, it's to get there, to get the shot done, and then you have your guide again coming in the back end that talks about the you know the pack in and out and there's different techniques to pack out elk and and just a little <laughs> bit of different styles there. So it's such a good, well-rounded. <clears throat> it's so far. It's so it's 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 to get you there, to get you through there, to get you into this position to be, then shoot, and that is pretty cool. Uh, I I can't say I I came in with a ton of. Like, I didn't want to be the best shooter when I left here. I didn't want to be the best elk caller. I just want to take a little bit of this, take a little bit of that, take a little bit of this, absorb enough, you know, to have a good retention on what I could. And there's so much good information that you could just, just being present, you're just getting better. And and it's, it's so far, it's a super cool. We have a whole nother day, so I'm not really, you know, not sure how it's going to go. I know I'll get my butt kicked tomorrow in physical fitness, so anticipating that, getting ready for that, it's going to be cool. But I would have to say, being an East Coast boy, growing up hunting a very specific style of hunting, that if you want to get out west, there's no easier, quicker way to cut your learning curve. This is less than an elk tag. It is less than an elk tag, and you're going to learn more than one year of elk hunting knowledge in one weekend. You'll take three days, and you'll take a 14-day trip, $5,500 trip, and three days, you're going to have it. So... It's, it's not a very hard sell. I mean, in my opinion, right. what you're doing here, it's not a hard sell. This, te- this, this, this weekend is less than a tag, and you will learn more than one tag's knowledge. And you don't have any of the travel expenses, maybe a little bit. So, so that's, that, in my opinion, when I saw it, I was like, I can't wait till it's close because I'm going to do it. I don't care. Like, I know money's a thing, especially with the money guy next to me. Yeah. <laughs> but money's a thing. But... In my opinion, learning, it's cheap. This is extremely cheap way to learn. This yeah. is money well spent, though. This is I very mean, cheap I, way we to were learn. talking about that on the drive back, and I, I was looking at this guy. I mean, I've don't wasted jack the prices up because if I want to come back or something, <laughs> I want to get <laughs> No, but I mean, you think about it, you're exactly right. How many, uh, I, I can look back and I could probably think of eight or ten years of elk hunting where. I could have very easily filled tags. I had opportunities, bulls within 100 yards, and I was just an idiot, sneaking around like a freaking whitetail hunter trying to kill elk. And um, that's all a waste. You talk about expensive. Those years are expensive of having empty freezers and wasted elk hunting trips. This is an investment, absolutely. This is a two-year learning curve off the top, guaranteed. I can say you learn two years of in-the-woods travel hunting. You don't learn two seasons of taking the whole season, but the way we hunt, our 10-day hunt, our 14-day hunt, this is two years of knowledge easily off the top. And you get the network. Oh, yeah. You got all these guys here. There's 30 guys to bounce ideas off of. Yep. And there's, what, six six trainings, you know, different instructors that are going to yeah. teach you their skill set. But there's 30 other guys to bounce ideas off, potential different hunting partners, different training partners. 
that that is money well spent. Dude, thanks so. for coming on and sharing yep. your stuff, dude. Yeah, for sure. Um, are you on Instagram? I am. Yep. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, I'm. Oh, I'm not a real big Instagram. M Paladino twenty seven. Thank you, Bo. M Paladino two seven. Yep. Yep. Look it up. Yep. Get this guy a follow. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Don't get Lyme disease. Thanks for sharing, yeah, bro. Good. Throw good that on, guys. Joel. All right, so Bo, I'm gonna let Jeff take over the hostess. You're on. All right. You got it. Yeah. I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna get one of some of these other guys on. All right. Give Let's do Joel this. a bad time. Okay. <laughs> Give me a bad time. You're, you're trying to get me teabagged by Joel in my sleep. I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to wake up with Joel. He, I guarantee he's got a quilt in that bag. Or a kill. So, uh, yes. Yeah. All right, we're bringing over some new elk shapers. Joel, this is this is your second elk shape camp. Right. As, and and you're doing some camps yourself, right? You're yeah, doing lots of clinics around the country. Lots Got of lots clinics. Of, lots of stuff scheduled for 2021. Tell me, sure. tell me about your Texas clinic that you just put on. Uh, the immersion clinic. So we go, we, you know, we pick a specific ranch and and we go there. Usually have about 10 people, and they learn control process shooting from me. They learn all of the solid archery mechanics from Tom Clum, and then they get to hunt same day so they learn the science and then they go apply the science in actual hunting scenarios it's priceless man yeah so that, good that's so how good so you guys you guys did your class all day long you taught these guys how to shoot and how many animals did you guys end up killing 16 16 animals <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was great fun i mean you can't get that type of experience anywhere it's yeah so cool. that is that is like you know, straight from the classroom to the field. Yeah, applying Texas the knowledge. Is such a target-rich environment, man. Do you have these camps planned for next year? You? Uh, not yet, but we will probably have another one in okay. February next year. All right, that's cool. Yeah. Well, we've got another elk-shaped camper here, Jeff. Ooh, Jeff, Jeff, what's your last name? Doyle. Jeff Doyle. Uh, Jeff, how many years have you been out in the elk woods? Um, I've been uh, hunting for two years with archery, and I went one year with a rifle back in 2003. All right. So. Give me, give me just like the the highlight version of so far where we've done a day and a half of elk shape camp. Like, what's stood out to you? What's rocked your world uh, thus far? Um, one of the biggest things that I think I gained most knowledge out of was getting my shot process down and making sure I go through the same blueprint sequence every single time, so that I make a um, controlled shot and. I don't flinch or do anything like that. Now, did you have any idea who Joel Turner was prior to this? Did you did you know how much uh, how much he was going to get into your head? <laughs> so I've um, joined the Elk Collective and I've watched some of those videos. So I have seen some of Joel's work off of uh -huh. that, and I saw listened to a couple different podcasts with Joel one. So I kind of knew a little bit what he did, and I. When I signed up for the class, I was thinking to myself, man, I really hope he's here because I know I can learn a lot from him. Yeah. And then when the list came out of who's going to be here, I was really excited to see who's on the list. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, and so tomorrow you get to take all of the elk calling that he has talked to us about, the, the bull calling cows and the, the calf calling. Um, and how, how is your calling? Because like, he's going to work with you directly on, on some calling techniques here. I'm going to tell you straight out, I need a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I can make some cow calls. I'm getting better with bugling, but I definitely need a lot of work. Are you using a mouth read? Yes. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I can't get the um, external reeds down. Okay. They just sound like a high-pitched squeak. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, we'll get you squared away then. Yeah. There's some very specific stuff that we're going to work on tomorrow that will help your help your game for sure. That's good. I really am. Have you killed an elk? No. Um, first year, I I was 55 yards from a herd bull and wasn't comfortable. And the first day we saw arrows sticking out of bulls, and it's like, I'm not taking that shot. Good for you. I'm just like, nope, I'll try again another day. But, so, this year. And how many years have you been elk hunting, two, you said? Uh, two with archery okay. in the same location, and that's where we're heading back this year again. So, cool. yeah, it was. Uh, Learned, so you had some historical knowledge of the area. Yeah. So um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. First year was uh, me, Mike, and another buddy went. Uh, last year was actually six of us went to the same area and uh this year only three of us got tags because of the way they changed it and mm -hmm. so three of us are going back so out. are you planning on hunting by yourself uh i don't know yet um it'll be I day would, by day i would highly recommend it okay yeah i mean the the in my opinion one of the worst things you can do to kill your percentage of killing an elk is to hunt with other people yeah Right, unless you have a very experienced caller that's going to put you in the right places, it's by far better to hunt by yourself. Okay. So you know, the the technique that I gave you today with the bull calling cow's bugle works fantastic for the solo hunter because there's no hang up spot. Yeah. You know, so when you're getting in close to the cows, it's a lot easier to do by yourself, slipping in there, get in tight, and then when you hit that, they're coming right to where you are. Yeah. And then you got to just work that business from there. But it's I, I hunt almost exclusively by myself, uh, unless I'm guiding or something. But, uh, yeah. yeah, if you got a whole bunch of buddies, to me that just means you have a bunch of camping partners. That's yeah. cool, right? Yeah. And you have people to help you pack out elk. But <laughs> We've seen the whole hang-up this year. As th uh, me, Mike, and PJ went, and we called this bull, and you could tell he was coming in, and uh, Mike went one way, and then the two of us kind of went up, but – he just hung up right at this spot, and then the next day we came around from, like, the way he came, and it's like, wow, you can see why he stopped right there. Oh, yeah. So. They'll stop as soon as they can see that calling location, man, every yeah. time. What's the train like where you guys are at? Is it fairly open then, or? Yeah, it's fairly open with some uh, heavy timber patches here and there, but, I mean, you can glass. Yeah. Thousands of yards. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about your hunt plans in prior years compared to – as you know, Dan talked about building hunt plans, the, the level of scouting, e-scouting that you're doing, the tactics and strategies. What do you think is going to change this going into this year based off of what you learned thus far? Um, I'm definitely going to be looking for a lot more benches and, and saddles. I picked some of them out, and knowing the area a little bit better, I'm going to be looking for, like, where's the escape routes, you know? Yep. You know, where – these elk are really weird. You can almost pattern them like whitetails where we're at. But they're tough to hunt because of being so open. So, I mean, I'm not really sure what all I'm going to do. We got a couple different spots picked out. And from what I've seen in the past, it gives me, okay, so where did these elk go that we seen? Yeah. I mean, it's all open. And you see these elk, well, where did they all disappear to? Mm -hmm. So it's just basically trying to figure out where they're going and why they're going there.
how would you rate yourself from like an e-scouting capabilities one to ten? I mean, ten being like Dan Staten level, <laughs> Mark Livestein. Yeah, I'm maybe a six. Okay. I, I definitely always got room for improvement. Yeah. I mean, if you're not learning, then it's time to give it up. There's always stuff to learn. Yep. Well, I'll encourage you, man. As you as you guys are headed back in there, you've got time in the terrain. You know kind of some of the movements of elk, but like figuring out where they're going, those things, that's all your digital scouting. you got to figure out those timber pockets, those, those north-facing slopes, those bedding areas, and there shouldn't be a day where you go into this and you're looking at it going, hmm, I'm not sure what to do next. You need to have all those plans A, B, C, all the way to Z figured out so that there's never a moment where you're looking at it going, eh, I guess I'm just going to go back to camp and uh, have, a, have a taco and drink a beer, um, even though there's nothing wrong with tacos and beers. Um, <laughs> and and I, I'm looking at you. you got this handlebar mustache going on. Now, is this something special for elk-shaped camp, or is this, is this a staple? No, this is normal. a boy, I like yeah. it. You got you got a little <laughs> bit of that Doug Flutie look to you. <laughs> if, uh, if you're fami- are you familiar with Doug Flutie? Yes, sir. a boy, I love it. Well, I, I've heard that Doug Flutie's – brother just got out of just got out of jail he spent some time in there for welfare fraud i don't know if you've heard this story or not but there's some rumors out there that dick flutie's out in the out in the woods this year so you may have you may have a little competition just in the looks department this come this september we'll see what happens (laughs) yeah not allowed to grow any of this down here so yeah and you you're a firefighter right yes sir i love it man yeah is your whole crew yeah we all work together and the fire department. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm a, it's going to be fun talking tomorrow because you guys are going to be like the standouts that still have pensions. Um, so uh, got a few police officers in the crowd with pension plans, but uh, that'll, it'll be fun. You guys, uh, there's a reason you guys are over here tonight. Um, you seem like pretty salt of the earth folk. Uh, we're, we're happy to have you guys here um, and can't wait to see the success that you guys you guys bring to the field. No, I next really year. appreciate the invite and appreciate being here. I mean, it's not like I get this opportunity every single day. <laughs> yeah. Are you nervous about tomorrow? I mean, you've seen you've seen Dan on social media. You see how hard he works out. You've probably seen some of these workouts that we do. How are you feeling? Uh, I can tell you I've slacked off on my hunting just because of personal life right now. Yeah. Or not hunting, excuse me, my PT. Mm-hmm. So definitely excited about it. Good, good. So. Well, We'll we'll try not to polish off too much beer tonight, so that uh, <laughs> so, oh, so. beer. I got bourbon over there. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is going downhill quick. So, well, Jeff, we're we're happy you're here, man. This is uh, it's good to have you guys here. This this camp is off the chart. Dan and I, you know, Joel, we're all talking about this. Like the facility, the hosting, couldn't couldn't ask for a better crowd, and and the campers that are here are top-notch yeah. you guys you guys are no jokes so. there's a great group of guys here i mean great instructors you know there's so much knowledge i'm gonna be trying to absorb all this for weeks on end to try and process everything yep yep well, that's good uh check out that elk collective um there you go <laughs> you're rocking the hat. the hat perfect you're on it so that's that's a great resource because I mean, this is, you're, you're learning so much in such a short amount of time at this camp. you got to go back and say, okay, what, what was Joel saying about how do I call? What do I do when they bark at me? And you, be able to digest that stuff bite by bite. Um, it, it's really helpful so resource there. So, well, cool. Um, I don't know if Dan is going to send us more people or what the plan is here, but uh, 
You got more folks? Yeah. Mike. Mike. All right, what, what, before you jump off, what stories do we need to know about Mike? Um, I don't know. He's a pretty standout guy. Yes. I know that. <laughs> he seems like a solid cat. He is. He is. Right. He's a heck of a shot, too. Yeah, okay. All right. Mike, how you doing tonight? Good. How you all doing? You been sipping some bourbon, or what's going on no. over there? No. No? You stay clear of that? Stay clear of that. I don't blame you. Yeah. You look like you're in good shape, and Keep you're smart. Keep the dad bod. Yeah, smart enough to stay away from it, knowing what's coming for you tomorrow. I'm into that. Yeah. yeah. It's all right. Yeah. We were just talking to Jeff. He's telling us about the last couple seasons of elk hunting. Um, how many years do you have in the elk woods? Three. Three years in the elk woods. 21 days. 21 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You split it up. That's right, babe. That's way you do it. <laughs> Small <laughs> incremental failures. <laughs> yeah, that's where yeah. it goes. <laughs> how, how long a trip do you guys got? Are you guys going on another seven-dayer this year? Or? They are going to split up. They got tags in Idaho. I'm going to go to Utah and then split time in Colorado on my way home. So Very I'll nice. be gone for like 14 days. Yeah. I was telling Dan uh, before you guys got here how much I appreciated your contribution in, in – when we were kind of going through like the the cost of elk hunting, which is not a little bit on the financial side of things, but realistically, it's more looking at like the impact that it can have on your family life and who you are as a man, a husband, and a father. And um, I'll tell you right now, dude, it, what you're doing in your household, the way that you are introducing your children to the out, outdoors, they're helping them develop their passion for hunting, like... I appreciate that. It is cool. We need more men like you stepping up in their families, taking them on that journey. So I appreciate that very much. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, my old man gave me the ringer. He showed me hard work as a kid, but he spent a lot of time building his business. And I grew attached to the love of the outdoors. And I just feel like today you get exposure to a lot of kids and they, they stare at a bow and they're like, what is that? Yeah. It's a tool. It's no different than any other hammer or a garden hoe or whatever else. It produces something that maybe that you can provide sustenance. And I tell the boys all the time, and I tell my wife the same thing. I'm in a job where I don't know if I get to come home at the end of every tour when I go to work. And I want you to be able to teach them the things that I am doing. So she's been a huge supporter. Yeah, that's, you know? that's so, so important. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff. Um, so talk to me about camp thus far. Like, what's what are your takeaways? Like, what what's showing up to you? Have you have you had those moments that a lot of us have had where we look back on the past few seasons and go, oh, I see where I screwed that one up. I yes. see where I screwed that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. And and you know, it's like you think about scenarios. So we were just over there discussing, you know, Joel talking about the the idea of well. So in my in my world, I love flow charts, right? So like, if if the house is on fire, we do this. If this happens, we do this. And and you gave me a flow chart today, you know. And it's cool, but but the reality is, that may not work every time. And Bob caveated his stuff in the beginning by saying, you know, he's going to do it this way. So and so is going to do it this way. They're going to do it that way. Well, at the end of the day, we're giving you all these nuggets for your job to place them in the proper holes when the yep. time arrives. And that's that's I'm taking that away from the mistakes of previous elk seasons yeah so yep. i mean there's i've had plenty of aha moments yeah joel how was how was mike shooting i mean you you've got a pretty keen eye at uh recognizing weaknesses when it comes to archery games he's, he's uh you need to slow down a little bit right Amen. so yep. there's a little <clears throat> he's a very determined person obviously right yep so it's just a matter of finishing it off once you get it's finding that cruise control you get in that movement and I, I really want you to work on stretching that hand on that release, right? You're shooting the 
it's the the red one, the card. Just right? yes, sir. Yeah. So when you stretch the back of that hand, that's what's going to move that. That's what's going to move that thumb on that trigger, and it's a matter of just starting into it, right? Finding that cruise control, hitting that cruise control button, and staying with that speed until it breaks. Right? There's no reason to speed it up or anything like that. So. It's uh, that's where you're at. That's what you got to work on, and now you know how to do the work. That's it. So yeah, that's the. There's key. There's no moving forward without understanding the whys, and then how you're going to get there. Yep. yep. I just talked about that with hitting. I said, you know, as passionate as you are with what you teach, mm -hmm. I teach on the very similar lines when it comes to hitting a moving object at whatever miles an hour mm -hmm. with kids. You know, it doesn't change. It's the same thing. It's a breathing technique. It's an anticipation. It's it's expecting this and having your process from the minute you step into the box to the time you take a pitch. I have never put a correlation between what my old job was to executing a shot with a blueprint. I thought I had, mm -hmm. but I didn't until I got to hear those four different phrases today to put it in sequential order. Mm -hmm. I'm going to gravitate to that very quickly. Yeah, so... You used to be a, a coach then? or I used to play professional okay. baseball for okay. five years. And then I retired, shoulder surgery, mm -hmm. and I did was a hitting instructor in the minor leagues as well. But then I coached collegiate baseball, and that got me my end of my free education, mm -hmm. and that's where I met my wife. So There you yeah. go. Yeah. So when you're, when you're talking about baseball or other sports, the movement involved in swinging a baseball bat is open loop, right? Sure. You don't want to actually put conscious thought into it but you want the mind to be prepped for that particular open loop motor program. Mm -hmm. So how did you get your hitters to prep their mind so that it would stay out of the movement and into what's most important? What do you think is the most important thing in, in hitting a baseball? Identifying what's coming at you. And you identify it with? Uh, yeah, your eyeballs. Your eyeballs, yeah, right? Yeah. So vision is the most important Amen. thing. yes. So it's the same with shooting a shotgun, moving targets, sure. right? Yep. So, but if you put conscious thought into that movement that's supposed to be open loop, that's the essence of choking, right? You put conscious thought in that final swing because it's going to be the game winner, and you screw up the totality of the movement. So anytime that you're coaching baseball or basketball or anytime the movement needs to be open loop, it could also be shotgunning. To prep the mind into the open loop motor program, talk about what's most important to drive that program, which is vision, vision. usually, right? Mm -hmm. So anytime I'm teaching shotgunning, you could do the same thing with your hitters. Before, they, before the pitch is coming or before they call for that clay pigeon, talk about the most important thing. Mm -hmm. So I have them say, see it, and then call for the bird, yep. right? So as that pitcher's winding up, see it is the at the forefront of their mind and that will guide those movements and keep their conscious mind out of the movement shooting precision shooting is the other realm mm -hmm. where you're actually putting the mind into the, the conscious mind into the movement so it's somewhat the same concept but there's nothing like precision shooting no. right and you are concentrating on that movement and it has to be your world. Mm -hmm. It's your only job at that point. After you, you put the finger on the trigger, after here I go. And you made, you made a comment today about zoning out, about getting into that, and that's all that matters in the world. Well, we talk about soft focus versus hard focus sure. when I talk about that. So nothing's going on. You see the entire ballpark. Pitcher takes the rubber, gets ready to deliver the pitch. Well, your soft focus goes from the entire ballpark to a, a, a one-foot-by-one-foot window where he's going to release the baseball. Mm -hmm. And from that point, you want to see his hand behind the ball on the side of the ball and get as much advantage as you can. 
But your anticipation that that next pitch is going to be your pitch until you dismiss it in flight. Because you, you can't be indecisive in four-tenths of a second. You have sure. to say, I'm going to hit it, and then dismiss it. That was one thing I had to learn much later in my career. But, you know, when we talk about it with this type of stuff, I can see the correlations of relaxation, but then being present in the process mm -hmm. of visualizing the ball. Everything I did physically to swing a bat is no different than me aiming. Yeah. It's all ingrained. It's subconscious. Yeah. That part's done. Right. But the, the actual closed loop would be visualizing the pitch out of his hand mm -hmm. and that, that pattern of how you do that. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. the way I look at it. Cool. That's good stuff. That Maybe why I batted 150. Uh -huh. I'm not sure. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> and got a little bit of trigger hey, punch, I'm, I'm too. I'm a fireman now, <laughs> yeah. babe, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, second responder, as I yeah. was told. We'll make it safe for you. That was so good. That was so good. So uh, good. That's good. Good yeah. stuff, man. <laughs> there was some good banter back and forth between the police officers and. Oh, there always is. There always is. Changes. Yeah. What is, what is that little like for those of us not in that world? I know it exists, but like, what's the root of that? Well, is it just firemen are better looking and more physique? Or they're way is it smarter. I know okay, that. Yeah. Way smarter. <laughs> they got a lot better job. <laughs> well, I, I can't deny that. I enjoy my job. But, like, you know, for us, it's just like, you know, we, we, we obviously in today's world, we, we, we piggyback off each other. You have to, right? We go in a situation where they've got to clear something before we get there. Other times they call us before they can they go do things. So it, it's kind of a – but it's, it's, it's a genuine – brotherhood across the board i believe but uh i think at the end of the day what what fun would it be if you didn't send rounds that way and we <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i enjoy it uh, uh, it's usually a jealousy thing from the cop end okay they get to see us go get truth paid right. to pt and they right. gotta do it off duty you yeah know, two hours of it so yeah, yeah. i get <laughs> it's it good. i get <laughs> it well Man, we're, I'm excited to see what you do this year. Um, are you on social media at all? I am. I'm pretty terrible at it, but okay. like I, I do more thumb and scrolling, watching everybody else kill big bulls. Sure. But, you know, my life's not that exciting. And uh, <laughs> no, I'm excited for what you're doing with your kids. Well, me too. Like me that. Too. At the end of the day, we were sharing videos and pictures of our, our kids are similar in age, and it looks like they're on a similar trajectory from a passion for the outdoors. And and I love that. Like I, I wish that more. I wish more men had this passion and had the passion to share it with their children. And so um, what if people wanted to look up and follow along with your journey, man, where, where would they find you on like, Instagram? Uh, I'm on Instagram, Ripsy28. It's an old college thing, uh, my old jersey number. All right. Yeah, that's where it's at for I, me. I, I don't love do it. much. But. I love it. Well, uh, you're doing good things, man. You're, you're put together. You shoot well. Uh, we'll see about your calling tomorrow um, and, and see where, where you can learn there. Uh, and I have, a, I have a sneaking suspicion you're going to do all right on the physical side of things tomorrow. So Yeah, I'll probably give Dan some hell and tell him thanks for the good warm-up. Yeah. <laughs> I won't give him that credit. I won't give him I'm going to tell him you said He'll that. He'll smoke my ass tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, he will. Just, he will. just partner with him on the e-bike. I've watched him just get eaten alive on the on the assault bike. Uh, so I would rather throw up than stop. So yeah. I like it. It's good stuff. It's good. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. Yeah, thanks for thanks jumping for on, man. Of course. Who do we got here? PJ. PJ. PJ, come on over. PJ, what's happening, what's man? What's going on? Not, not a whole lot. This is like riding in the fire truck. Got the mic it, on. It is. It's yeah. like it's very similar. Yeah. 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 You going to tell us all what to do or what? I, I can if you want me to. Uh -huh. <laughs> 
PJ, you run around with a few characters here. Oh, we, yes. We got a Doug Flutie-esque. Uh, we got Mike, who's yep. kind of Mr. America here. Yep, absolutely. You're kind of the quiet one in the group, but I haven't are, – are you the sleeper? Yeah, the voice of sanity here. There you go. Yeah. You keep these guys lined <laughs> out straight. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, have you been in the? Have you been with these guys the last three years in the Oakwoods? Uh, no, I, last year was my first year. Okay. Um, and then this year coming, me and Jeff will be going back out. So very good uh, with another guy. So, did you grow up hunting a lot of whitetail, guess uh, on type I of stuff? I did. I, I I wouldn't say uh, my my father and my mother like they weren't really into hunting. Uh, my grandfather kind of got me into it. So he was a he was a big rabbit hunter, so okay. he had beagles, so he ran rabbits with beagles when I was little, so that was like my first introduction to hunting, and then that kind of graduated into my teenage years into whitetail hunting, and, uh, and then I was kind of hooked up. I was always interested in archery hunting, but I didn't know anyone that archery hunted. Like, like I said, my grandfather was always a rifle hunter or shotgun for rabbits and stuff, so really didn't have anywhere to learn or anyone to show me anything didn't even know like where to go had no clue like where even the closest bow shop would be um so i guess probably around the, my early 20s was when i picked up my first bow and uh i've been just been shooting ever since but on and off um but the past three to five years i would say i've probably been the most serious in the archery um, yep um, but yeah how do you feel your shooting was this weekend um I think it was okay. It could have been a lot better, but I think it was uh, okay. I learned a lot, um, especially today from Joel. I think that was just some of that was – it seems so simple, but it seems so mind-blowing. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you can't see it's the forest simple, for the trees. It's simple, but it's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, you're like you – know, it's like one of those things, like, you know, you always see something, you're like, why didn't I think of that? You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, but it's like so simple, but you, you're just so focused on something else you don't. Pay, know what you're really supposed to be doing. The the piece that I like about it, like I, I I'd never heard of any of this until I met Joel at the first camp shoot two and a half years ago, and it you know he he the the process he takes you through is he teach he teaches you like he starts you off with exposing you to things you didn't even know that you didn't know, and then he t he walks you through the process to have knowledge and how to correct your shot and how to completely rebuild your shooting from, from in few hours yeah. yeah a few hours now you got to go out and you got to go out and practice it yes. and you got you still got to do the work but now that you have that knowledge you can start transitioning it to wisdom and applying it to your everyday shot process yes absolutely and that's the thing like in uh, you know i've never seen any of your stuff before so you know and that's what amazed me was like the short amount of time that you spent with me today was so much information like and so helpful like just coming from the world I come from, like nothing ever really takes hold that fast. But it it was pretty like, you know, for anyone to learn something, it has to be very simple and very easy to digest. And that's what it was. And I really appreciated that portion of it. it was it wasn't like you're talking way at a higher level. You just kind of dialed it into to what we kind of needed to. Yeah, hear. there's and, a. I mean, there's a way deeper science that we could talk about. Right. But I don't. We don't need to know all that stuff. I'm trying to stay with the tangibles. Yes. What? How do I actually get myself to concentrate in a high-stress event? You already do it in high-stress events now, yep. right? When you're supervising yes. an incident or whatever, you're talking yourself through stuff, and you got checklists and all yep. that. All we did is take that and figure out what's it made of, right? What's yep. a checklist made of? It's made of words. What do words do? Words help us to concentrate, right? So, yep. And just putting that into your shot, but you're finding out 
how much determination it takes yep. to do a movement that causes an explosion, right? Yes. I mean, you think about if you're, if you're a busted fire hose or whatever, you know, you're dealing with, you know the, the next turn of that wrench, and you're going to yep. have massive water pressure. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, it's the and same and deal. And there's things like, what I've learned is there's people that can teach things, there's people that know things, and there's people that can teach and have the knowledge behind it. And what, what I took away from Joel was he has a way of teaching things, like you said, at a, a simple basis that's easy to understand, but he, you keep reinforcing it. You keep bringing it back to that point because it's so easy to lose things like mm -hmm. through the process of, say, going through a presentation, but you kept reinforcing it and reinforcing those main points that right. helps it just drill it in your head. And if that doesn't help, him getting in your face will definitely drill right. it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Man, I just don't want people practicing their own failure. Yeah. And yeah. that's where most archers are. They go out and they shoot, and they make themselves more efficient and more efficient and more efficient. And they never get better. I mean, you look at – I have 80-year-old people come to my clinics and go – I've been doing this this way, locked off target, jumping to target, whatever, for 60 years. It doesn't go away, man, unless you understand the science and you have the determination to apply it. So, yeah, no practice and failure anymore. No way. Ain't happening. How, uh, how is the calling? I mean, not only is Joel like a world expert with archery and shooting and technique, but then he takes he takes calling and interacting with elk and elk elk behavior and breaks it down into such a simple frat boy understandable uh, format how did, how did that change your perspective interacting with elk in the, uh, for this september uh, i think it 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 was a great help um i'm not a very good caller as it is um but to break it down that simple you know um I probably don't need to be the best bugler there is. You don't. You, you Absolutely know, not. If I can make a few calf calls mm -hmm. and, the, you know, kind of get a, a a halfway decent sounding bugle out, then, you know, I probably would have a better chance than what I thought I would have had coming into it. Sure. You know? I, just I mean, never... we're just we're making you situational elk hunters. So you're hunting a situation. And we need to just get better at recognizing the situation that you're in. And then those calf calls that you can do, that's the right time for that situation, yes. right? And you'll recognize those. And you don't have to be a great caller. You just have to know what the structure is of the sound you need to make at what time, right? right. If you get in tight on a bunch of cows that have a bull and you send out some type of squeaky whatever, yeah, it means the same thing as the most pristine bull calling cow's bugle there is. It's about the structure of it. You could go into any bar around the world, not even speak the language. You go in, you talk to the female that's definitely with a male. You don't even speak the right language for them, but he's picking up on your vibe. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can find yourself in a fight in any country in the world. doesn't yes. matter. It's the structure of your speech, not the quality of it. So... Oftentimes, the worst-sounding bugles are some of the best elk. I, I'll hear bugles out there in the woods, and I'm like, oh, that is a horrible caller. Mm -hmm. And the majority of times, it turns out to it's be some messed-up old bull. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I called in a hunter before in Colorado who I ended up becoming friends with that uh, because he's like, man, that bugle sounded just so 
bad. Like, <laughs> you had, like, it had to been an elk. And, <laughs> and there, there was a bull that was between us at one point, but it, and I was just laughing. I was literally rolling around laughing because I was like, yep, that's, yeah. nope, uh, that was actually a hunter. That was really yeah. <laughs> I tend to call in a lot of hunters every year, and so I have a lot of woods elk calling seminars. <laughs> I'll call them in. And then I wave at them, and then I wave them over, and then we sit down and we chat about how that scenario just went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this happens a lot during elk season, so it's, it usually works out pretty good for them. That's so, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joel, I can say, you know, these camps, um, these camps have a different feel with you here. And I, I, I know Dan and I have been planning camps for next year, and, and these are his baby, and um, – it would be phenomenal to have you at these next camps. Yeah, like I the, really want to be at every one of them. The sure. the work that you do, the amount of transformation in the in the short amount of time, is life changing. Yeah, so it's, it's um, good. I love to see the impact that it has. Yeah, and it's you know, it's my life's work, right? So I love to see it come to fruition. And, you know, my life's work can be taught in an hour. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe that's sad. I don't know. But uh, it's uh, a very impactful hour, I will tell you that. And and here's the cool part. You see some stuff on, on social media where Joel is working with people, and you're like, man, this guy's a jerk. Yeah. But it comes from such a p- place of love and care right. that there's not a person here that wouldn't just come up and give you a hug right, right. now for right. how much of an impact you've had in just yeah. today's I, conversation. I mean, that is all with purpose. Yeah. Right? That is with purpose. I need you to hate me a little bit. But, again, it's got to be temporary, yeah. right? Yeah. No permanent hate. Well, uh, we love having you here. Yeah, I appreciate uh, it. Can't wait for whatever's to come for next yep. year. Yep. Uh, for this sure. is exciting stuff, guys. Yep. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. This is a little bit of an impromptu Elk Shape uh, podcast, but uh, a little impromptu hosting here. So, um, hopefully, we see you guys here at Elk Shape Camp 2022. Yeah. Are we already in 2022? Jesus, happened quick. Be, yeah. So. Um, got some super camps, a bunch of good stuff planned. So, awesome. uh, thank you guys. Thanks yeah. for being here. Thanks everyone. Thanks yep. for having us. All right, guys, what'd you think of that one? That was kind of fun. I uh, want to say Bynum, great job on the hosting. I got to kind of slip away and hang out with some of the campers. That was right in the middle of an elk shape camp. We invited a few of the campers over, uh, including Bo Martonic, who has his podcast, East Meets West. Check it out. Uh, what a great, just a great crowd, man. Like the good vibes from Pennsylvania. Still on cloud 930 campers. Uh, we had an incredible camp. So I want to say thanks to Joel Turner for doing his shot IQ controlled shot process thing. And, and Big Bob from Colorado, a guide for over 30 years. Great elk hunter. He came over. Incredible. We had a lot of firepower at that camp, and it was really cool. Uh, just wanted to give a couple shout-outs uh, and call it a podcast. But uh, uh, those firefighters that came over, man, those guys were pure gold. So appreciate all those guys. We had, man, we had Mike and Eric and PJ. It was just a legit crowd. And hopefully you learned, like, man, Lyme's disease, altitude sickness, being prepared, you know, all the things we talk about, it's they're, they're real things that you got to kind of plan and prepare and be ready for. And uh, that's why we kind of dropped this podcast. So super fun. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Crispy U.S. Uh, yeah, man, I used to think Crispy was kind of trendy. And then I kind of dabbled a little bit. And uh, I am rocking and rolling, ready to uh, tear up those spring bear mountains. Uh, I'm not sure which is going to be my number one starter. But right now, I'm kind of narrowed down to the Crispy Guide. 
which is like an eight inch. I really like that. Or, you know, maybe more something with some synthetics like the uh, Crispy Colorado. Uh, I don't know, man. We'll see. I'm testing phase right now, trying to figure out my starter. But Crispy is uh, uh, blown away a little bit at their boots. You guys know I used to run some different brands and did a lot of testing these last couple months. And I settled in on Crispy. So just thought I would give them a shout out there. Uh, Black Ovis does sell Crispy and other boots. If you're going to go buy your arrows or boots, um, that's where... I pick up my arrows. Go to blackovis.com. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE. Save 10%. There's some exclusions, but for the most part, should take 10% off. They have fast shipping, and their customer service is top-notch. Uh, Elk Collective. This is our online digital elk hunting resource uh, with, I think, about 135 videos now. So every camp that we do at Elk Shape, we film most of the stuff from different subject matter experts, and we publish it exclusively on theelkcollective.com. So everything we do this weekend with Joel Turner, um, Bob Terwilliger on locating elk, elk challenges, the, the shot IQ stuff, all that will be living and breathing at theelkcollective.com. Save $25 off. Use discount code all one word, Elk Shape Podcast. That's Elk Shape Podcast, all one word, $25 off, theelkcollective.com. Get to study in elk seasons just around the corner. Watch one video a day and learn something. Get one nugget and start going from there. We talked a lot about gun holsters at this last camp. Guys were asking me and quizzing me on, like, do you worry about G-Bears? And the answer is yes, I do. And so I have a chest holster from Northwest Retention Systems, and I do have a discount code with them, and it is elk shape. It'll take 10% off, no shipping and handling, five-day lead time. I have two different holsters, one for my 44 mag and one for my Glock. It's a 40 caliber. I'm looking at one of those Glock 20s. I think they're 10 mm, but for right now, that's what I got. And I like bear spray and I like gun spray. And I like to have both when I'm in G Bear country. Last but not least, Stowaway Gourmet. Again, I don't get anything out of this. This is just an added value to you. Use the discount code ELK10, save 10% on your freeze dried food and stock up um, this time of year so you're ready to rock. And guys, man. Thanks for listening. We appreciate this. Like, you have a lot of options. We we understand this, and we know that we, you put your trust in us to provide not only some entertainment but some inspiration and education. I hope you got that here today. You break your sweat every day in the name of better elk hunting. You shoot your weapon every day, and that you do the small things that you don't feel like doing. Put your phone down. Engage with your family. Be intentional with your time. Be the leader of your household. Be the leader at work. Do the things that suck. Get those on the top of the list. Appreciate you guys. And remember, we love faith, family, fitness, and elk hunting. You listen to the Elk Shape Podcast. Thanks for your support. Catch you on the next one.